0: I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. You are listening to Rabbi Aria Wolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Parsha Review Podcast. Welcome back, my dear friends, to another weekly Parsha Review. Before we begin this week's Parsha Review, I'd like to dedicate our learning today to the honor and to the celebration of Scott. Asarch and his Chavrusa, who just finished a full tractate of Talmud there in Jerusalem. We're so proud of you, Scott. And uh, he should merit to finish all of Talmud and all of the Babylonian Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud. And he should continue to bring tremendous nachas to his parents, Tommy and Bobby Asarch, mazel, mazel tov, And now we're going to learn in his honor this week's parsha, Parshas Kedoshim the seventh portion in the book of Vayikra, and the 30th portion since the beginning of the Torah. There are 64 verses, 868 words, 3,229 letters. There are 51 mitzvahs in this week's Parsha, 13 performative and 38 prohibitions. And as you'll see, this week is going to be a little bit different because we're going to be listing mitzvah after mitzvah after mitzvah that are commanded in this week's Parsha. And if there's any portion that teaches us the greatness of our Torah, I mean, it's, you can pick any one, but this week's Parsha specifically, particularly, has incredible, incredible teachings that show us the sensitivity that the Torah wants us to live our lives with. So first the Torah begins with Kadoshim. Kedoshim means be holy. And then it goes right into fear your mother and father. Fear your mother and father. You know in the Ten Commandments it says honor your father and mother. Over here it says fear your mother and father. Why? We'll talk about it in a minute. Observe my Shabbos, and no idolatry. So it's very important that when we talk about holiness, we're talking about God reflecting ourselves upon the Almighty. The Almighty is holy. You be holy, right? God says, "Ki kadosh ani." You be holy because I am holy. And then it says immediately, "Fear your father and mother." Sages tell us this is a hint that a human being has three partners: the father, the mother and God, creator of heaven and earth. Those three are the trinity, so to speak, of the Jewish people and our understanding where Hashem tells us that we have three partners in every human being. Keep my Shabbos and no idolatry. What's idolatry? Idolatry is when you move away from that idea of that there is a creator and there's a father and a mother. Now, there are various other laws taught in this week's Parsha. Number one. When bringing a peace offering to Hashem, you may eat it that day, the next day, and not on the third day. It must be burned. Whatever's left over for the third day from that offering, from that peace offering, must be burned. When you harvest your crops, first give to the poor. Leave the edge of your field for them and leave the one or two ears that fall for them as well. Our sages tell us this is an unbelievable sensitivity the Torah is teaching us. The Torah is teaching us that the poor people are sitting around at the edges of the fields they're seeing you harvest your wheat they're seeing seeing you harvest your crops and they see that one or two ears have fallen so they're like oh i'm going to be able to get that so they they're putting their eye on it they're putting their hopes on it and now you go back and collect it if it's just one or two ears you leave it for the poor people so they shouldn't take away their excitement and their anticipation for that find. But if it's more than two, three or more, then you can pick them up and take them. Don't steal theft and robbery. What's the difference between theft and robbery? One is done in broad daylight, and one is done at night. And our sages tell us the one who steals during the day is less terrible than the one who steals at night. Because what's the problem with the guy who steals by night? He's not afraid of God who sees everything. He's afraid of humans who don't see at night. But someone who steals in broad daylight, he's just a brazen thief. He's not afraid of anyone. Someone who's only afraid of mankind and not afraid of God, that's a lot worse. Should be afraid of God more than being afraid of man. Don't deny falsely. If you're accused of something and you're uh, indeed guilty of it, don't deny it. Don't lie Don't swear falsely in Hashem's name. Don't cheat. Don't delay workers' payments. Don't curse the deaf or stumble the blind. Fear Hashem. What is stumbling the blind? This is not only putting a stumbling block in front of a person who can't physically see with their eyes. This is also referring to someone who comes to ask you for advice. They're also considered blind because they don't know what to do. You give them bad advice. Sages say, just tell us that's putting a stumbling block before the blind. And the Torah tells us, fear Hashem. Fear Hashem. Don't pervert justice. Don't favor the poor and don't honor the great. Meaning, if you're the judge, don't give favor to the poor. Oh, poor guy, I'm going to give him some. I'm going to throw him a, a bone and and give him show favor to him or curry favor to, towards him. Or if someone great walks into your courtroom, don't show favor to them because they're great. Judge righteously, with no deference to who they are. Don't gossip. Don't stand aside when a friend's blood is being shed. If you see someone being embarrassed, you see someone being hurt, you can't just stand idly by and not do something about it. In the subways in New York, it says, you see something, say something. If you see your friend being murdered, not only physically, you see your friend being murdered, being shamed in public, stand up and defend them. Stand up. Don't just say, oh, it's not my business. I'm not going to get involved. It's not my battle. It's not my, it's not my place. It is. If they're your friend, you have to stand up for them. Don't hate your brother in your heart and reproof and lovingly critique your fellow. Don't take revenge. Don't bear a grudge. Love your fellow like yourself. This is not a Christian thing. This is our Torah that teaches us in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18. Love your fellow like yourself. You Love yourself a lot. Love your fellow just as much. Don't crossbreed animals, plants, or garment mixtures of wool and linen. That's shatnez. The Torah teaches us not to wear wool and linen in the same garment. Fruits of the land. When you go to the land of Israel, Hashem commands us, you'll plant fruit trees during the first three years. Don't eat it. Don't eat from the fruits. The fourth year, sanctify those fruits and bring them to Jerusalem. You can eat them in Jerusalem. And then in the fifth year, eat and be blessed. God says if you observe the laws of the land properly, you will be blessed with tremendous abundance. Don't be involved in witchcraft or sorcery. It's mentioned many times in this week's parasha. No cutting payas, the sideburns, the side corners of our face, the five main bones. So first, the the, the main corners and then the five bones of our face we should not cut the we should not cut the here with a razor on our flesh. No cutting flesh for the dead. So if someone dies, people used to cut themselves in affliction and in mourning. The Torah says don't do that, and no tattoos. Don't profane your daughters to make her a harlot. And this the Torah explicitly says, no premarital relations. Observe my Shabbos. Revere my sanctuary. I am Hashem. It's very interesting that when I was preparing these notes, I see constantly ani Hashem, al-okecha, ani Hashem alokecha. Many of these commandments, like it says, don't put a stumbling block before the blind. I am Hashem. What? Constantly we see it after the verse tells us what to do. I am Hashem. I am Hashem. So our sages tell us. You know, who sees if you put a stumbling block in front of the blind? The blind guy doesn't see it. Hashem sees it. And all of these are telling you, while other people may not know your real intention, what's really going on in your heart, guess what? Hashem sees everything. Ani Hashem. You know how many times it says in this week's parsha, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem your God? 20 times in this week's parsha, It says, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. To tell us and to remind us constantly, We may not see Hashem right here in front of us. There aren't those cameras. Hashem sees everything. Not only does he see our actions, Hashem sees our intentions. Hashem sees our thoughts. Hashem sees our hopes and our wishes as well. It's a reminder constantly that Hashem sees everything. Rise for the elderly and revere the sages and wise scholars. Love the converts. You were once a stranger in a strange land. So, this is an important teaching here where the Torah tells us guess what? You were once a stranger? You're going to have strangers who come to join the Jewish people. Converts who come, don't make them feel like a stranger. Make them part of your family. Love them. Be kind to them. Make them feel like they're part of it. Be honest and have accurate weights and measures. Observe my decrees and ordinances. Don't worship the Molech. The Molech was a an idol, an idol that people would offer their children and sacrifice their children to the Molech. The Torah very explicitly commands in seven verses, "Do not worship the Molech." The severe punishments for all of the transgressions that are mentioned in this week's parsha and last week's Torah portion, like the forbidden uh, relations and all of those, all of the punishments are listed in chapter twenty, verse one through twenty-one. Hashem urges us to follow his decrees and ordinances for a great life. Hashem says, you follow my ordinances, you follow my decrees, you'll have a great life. And if not, sadly, the opposite is true. Hashem made us different, and we should not hide from it. In this week's Parsha, it says very explicitly, I made you differently than the non-Jews. Don't hide from it, where it as a badge of honor. We're it. Don't try to blend in and assimilate. Nobody should know. Oh, what's if they know that we're Jewish? They should know that we're Jewish. They should see in the way we act. They should see in the way we talk. They should see in the way we raise our families that we are different. And Hashem commands us not to hide that. We are always going to be different. And keep yourself holy by keeping kosher. The Torah again reminds us, only put into your body the things that will keep you holy, that will keep your soul holy. So now, a few important lessons about this week's parsha. Number one, be holy by observing Hashem's Torah. Hashem gives us the guidance in His Torah of exactly how to conduct our lives. And when we conduct our lives properly, we are elevating ourselves. Even, by the way, if a person doesn't even feel it. Well, I'm not in the mood of eating kosher today, so I really don't feel that connection. Right? And by the way, very important thing that many people overlook, and people say, I'm going to be a hypocrite, really? I'm driving to Shulon Shabbos, but I don't eat pork? Who are you kidding? Every step counts. Every single step counts. It's not an all or nothing proposition, Judaism. Every single step counts. If you can take one, oh, you say, listen, (laughs) I'm, I'm not observing anything, so I might as well speak Lashon Hara and gossip and talk about other people. That's not nice. The Torah says not to do that. But why? I'm such a hypocrite. Guess what? Every step counts. Judaism is not all or nothing. It's every step counts. Okay, another important thing is that there are different forms of stumbling the blind or unaware. Anytime you give bad advice to someone, anytime you give someone, someone comes to you and says, you know, any advice I'm investing in my business? Tell me, what should I invest in? Should I prioritize this or prioritize that? Now, they're your competition. So you Give them bad advice. That is against the Torah. You're putting a stumbling block in front of the blind. But he's my competition. I don't want him to take away my business. No one can ever take away your business. And once a guy says to me, do you know who that person is? That person is taking food off my children's table. It's not true. It's a lack of emunah. That's a lack of understanding that Hashem runs this world and that nothing can be taken away from anybody without Hashem predestining it. Destining, I don't know if there's such a word. But without it being predestined by the Almighty. If the Almighty wants you to have something, you'll have it. Whether you have a competitor next door, whether you have a competitor on the other side of the globe, it doesn't make a difference. No one can touch what is predestined for you by the Almighty. I am Hashem, your God, is repeated 20 times to remind us again and again and again that Hashem sees everything. Now, there's a proper time for everything. And this is a very, very big fundamental principle that we learn in the the Torah. The Mishnah repeats this as well, that there's a proper time for everything. There's a proper time to educate our children. There's a proper time for them to learn different things because... The Torah wants a child to be developed properly, and therefore the Torah says, at this age, this. At that age, that. I'll show you here the Mishnah in Ethics of Our Fathers. Chapter 5, Mishnah 25. Who Haya Omer. He would say, our sages tell us that whenever whenever it says that, it's referring to the Almighty. The Almighty says, Ben Chamesh at 5 years old, they should start learning the Torah. At 10 years old, they should start learning the Mishnah. At 13 years old, they're obligated to mitzvahs. At 15 years old, they should start learning Talmud. At 18 years old, they should get married. At 20 years old, they should begin pursuit of their livelihood. Ben at thirty years old one attains their full strength. at forty years old one attains understanding. Ben chamishim at fifty years old one can offer counsel shishim at sixty years old they attain seniority Ben Shivim at seventy years old they attain, they attain a ripe old age. Ben Shmonim at eighty years old shows great strength. Ben Tishim l'shuach at ninety they become hunched over. Ben Mea in olam at hundred years old it is as if they were dead and they have passed away and ceased from the world because it's very difficult at the age of a hundred for someone to be productive and to be producing what they could have produced at an earlier age. So what is the Mishnah telling us here? Our sages tell us an important lesson here. There is a right time for everything. There is a perfect time for everything. A person shouldn't try to jump steps. Take the step that is appropriate for that age. Take the step that is appropriate for that time. And the same, by the way, is true for our fields. It says that you shouldn't cut the fruit of the tree till after three years, which is why our sages tell us, Adam a person, a human, is like the fruit of the field, the tree of the field. Just like you don't cut the branches of the trees, you don't do anything, you let it grow wild for the first three years, so too the child Baby boys, we know we don't cut their hair till they're three years old. And then we upshare, which means to give them a haircut. We give them a haircut at three years old. Why? Let the roots take in. Let, the, let them develop. There's a right time for everything. But there's another thing here which we learn is that what does a person want to do when they have fresh new crops? Oh, look at this. I planted a, a new tree, a new fruit tree. I have a vineyard now. I have a, whatever tree it is. They want to look, look what I did, look what I grew, look what I planted. Remember that it's not you. First three years, let it just grow wild. Why? Because Hashem commanded you. Hashem is the one who gave it to you. It's an amazing thing that in order for something to grow, you have to put it in the ground. Guess what? You ever have a big challenge and you feel like you're just like, it was an awful day. You're all depressed. You're all Your your head is in the ground. Guess what? That's when you start growing. Just like the seeds, in order to grow a beautiful big tree, it needs to be brought into the lowest situation, into its lowest state. You put it in, you bury it in the ground. That's when it grows. Same with us. Don't be discouraged if you have a difficult time. Don't be discouraged if you're in, in, in a situation where you're like you're giving up hope. You feel like you're being buried. Don't worry, it's just a sign that great things are about to grow. And it's a reminder here, in this week's parasha, those first three years, it's going to start great You planted something, you, it went to its lowest state, now it's going to grow. Just give it some time now and let it flourish. Let it. Don't harvest it the first three years. Don't take it. Remember that it's from Hashem. It's Hashem's. The success you have is success that was granted to you by the Almighty. Now, the Torah commands us here to give criticism to our fellow. The Torah commands us to give criticism to our fellow. Our sages tell us there is a proper way to give criticism. Number one, your fellow, someone you love, someone you care about. A stranger, you have no business giving them critique. You see someone in the supermarket, you don't start telling them how to take care of their child. It's not your business. You know what? Not only it's not your business, they're not going to accept what you're saying. And the Talmud says in Tractate Yevamot 65b, I believe it is, the Talmud says that just like there's a mitzvah to reprimand someone in the Torah, if they listen, there's a mitzvah not to reprimand someone if they will not listen. Our sages teach us that there is an explicit prohibition Critique someone if they're not going to listen. So the obvious question is, how am I supposed to know if they're going to listen or not? How am I supposed to know if they're going to accept my words? The answer is, if you don't know, you have no business, definitely no business critiquing someone. And it means, your spouse, do you know if they're going to accept it or not? Well, you know how you need to say it for them to accept it. Oh, you know them a little bit better. You know exactly how you need to say or not say for it to be accepted. I can only remember one time in my, thank God, beautiful, blessed 22 years of marriage that my wife did something that really, really hurt my feelings. Really, really hurt me. And I remember at the moment I said, I accepted upon myself that I'm not going to respond or talk about it for two weeks. And two weeks later, when I wasn't angry, I wasn't embarrassed, it wasn't in the moment, it wasn't out of frustration. When we were having a nice dinner together, I brought up something that came up two weeks earlier and I said, you remember that? It really hurt my feelings. I was really embarrassed by it. And of course, she felt terrible and obviously you know, asked for forgiveness and that it will never happen again. But the idea is, is that if you reprimand someone at the moment, the emotions are heated. It can flare up a whole fight and it can become World War Three. So there's a right time to say things. Plus, it may be that you can never say something because you never have the right opportunity, you never have the right time. The goal of criticism is not to get it off your chest. The goal of criticism is to enhance the other person's life for them to improve. And if a person is just reprimanding so that they get it off their chest there, I had to say it, that's a sin. The Torah says that that's a sin. Why? Why? Because if they're not going to accept it, then now they're doing it with intention because they know it's something they shouldn't be doing. If they didn't did continue doing it out of error, out of mistake, because they didn't know, they weren't aware, they didn't realize it, that's a different different thing. But if someone's doing it out of out of knowledge that they shouldn't be doing it, that's even worse. The Torah is very, very careful with a person's feelings. And therefore the Torah says specifically, it could have said rebuke, no, it doesn't say that. It says rebuke your fellow. That means someone who you have a friendship with, someone who you care about and you love them. It's not just coming out of hatred. It's not coming out of, oh, I can't stand this guy. Let me give him a piece of my mind. I'm going to tell him what everything he did wrong. That's not going to be fruitful. It's not going to be helpful. The Torah says if you want to get into someone else's life and assist them in their goal for perfection, do it in a way that indeed will assist them in attaining that perfection you just need to let it out of your heart and you just need to get it off your chest call up a different friend and just vent to them right somebody did this don't even say who somebody did this to me somebody said this someone acted this way someone drove like that whatever it may be but we have to realize that the torah in this week's parsha as well says don't hate your fellow in your heart don't hold a grudge in your heart either that's not either healthy it could be actually Physically dangerous for a person to hold up things in their heart. You have to be very careful about that. Don't hate your fellow in your heart. If you have something to say, something that you don't like about another person, you're not allowed to keep it in. You have to share it with them. There's something you did, I need to talk to you about and bring it up to them. Don't hold it in your heart. To find the right time, you have to find the right place, and you have to pray to have the right words as well. So, these are good luck, folks. <laughs> Chavetz Chaim is dedicated dedicated to using the cleanest speech possible, even when it's warranted. It's warranted, I need to tell this person so that they don't sin in this way again. It's a proper way to do it. And if you're criticized, if you're an adult, take it in and say, you know, even if it's a child who criticizes you, you need to take it all in because it's a message from the Almighty. We have to realize that every word that comes our way is a message from God. Okay, we see an incredible emphasis in this week's Parsha, last week's Parsha, many, many, many Parshas about Shabbos. Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. The focal point, the central point of every single Jewish life is Shabbos. Shabbos is the main ingredient that infuses our entire life our entire world, our entire relationship with ourselves, our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with our children, our relationship with our community, all evolves through Shabbos. It all becomes nurtured through Shabbos. And when we're able to recognize that we take a break on Shabbos, we're not not busy with filing documents, we're not busy with Making another deal. We're not busy with earning our livelihood. We're just in the moment. And if you talk to therapists, you talk to people who deal with marriage counseling, they will tell you that every couple, every parent with their child needs to spend time every week, uninterrupted, loving time. What better time to spend with your family than over a Shabbos dinner? eating delicious foods that you all love together, talking, schmoozing, catching up. How was your week? What excited you this week? What elevated you this week? What worries or concerns? You can talk to your children. You have a great time. It's a time to just time out and focus on yourself, focus on your own life, on your own values, on your own most important things. Shabbos, Cannot be understated. If a person can take a moment to think about planning for Shabbos, what can I do to make my Shabbos this week, already this week, more special? It's an unbelievable gift that Hashem gave us. In fact, Hashem says in His Torah, the greatest gift He created. Now, tattoos. The Torah forbids us from getting tattoos. And there's a common misconception in our podcast, the Unboxing Judaism podcast. Rabbi Nagel and I Uh, open up this topic of tattoos and being buried in a Jewish cemetery. So the Torah prohibits tattoos. The Torah does not prohibit someone with tattoos to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. That's a myth. I don't know where that comes from. But the Torah very clearly says not to get any type of tattoo. Think Think of it this way. Your body is a lease. It doesn't belong to you. Imagine you lease a car and you decide to spray paint the side of the car and then return it to the dealership after your lease is over, they're going to say, excuse me, what's this, right? God gives you a body. It doesn't belong to you. It's a big mistake that our culture makes like my body, my choice. It's not your body. Okay. That's number one. Okay. God gave you this body to do the proper thing with it. Same thing with the tattoo. God gave you your body as a lease. You're going to have to give it back to him without the coloring markings all over it. So, That doesn't disqualify, however, that someone can be buried in a Jewish cemetery. It's a a good question if someone who has a tattoo should remove it or not. That we can talk about off-air, and anyone who has that question is welcome to reach out to me at awolbyattorchweb.org. I'll happily uh, deal with that question with each individual. The Torah tells us here that we have free will. The most important gift that God gave us is free will. You can choose. God says, God doesn't coerce us. God doesn't force us to say, oh, well, listen to me. If you don't keep my Shabbos, guess what I'm going to do to you on Sunday morning? No, that, that's, that doesn't happen. God says, I'm giving you a great gift. Owner's recommendation, follow my ordinances. God gives us his recommendation. In this week's Parsha, you read the words. It's amazing how God says, listen, I'm telling you, be holy. It's worth it, it's worth it. You want a good life, follow my ordinances, follow my decrees, you'll have a very good life. Now, there are three basic dimensions of holiness. Very incredible, incredible idea. Person, place, and time. My grandfather talks about this a little bit. Person, place, and time. A person needs to make their own person holy, their own selves, their own body holy. They need to make the place that they're in holy. And they need to make time holy. How do we make the person holy? We have mitzvahs with our body. We have mitzvahs that we do with our body. A woman immerses herself in the mikvah. She purifies and makes her body holy. A man wears tefillin. He puts on, we kiss the mezuzah. It's something that we do with our body. We're making our body holy. Now, mezuzah also makes a place holy. It makes your home holy. Additionally, We have many mitzvahs that we do in our homes. It makes our home holy. And time, how do we make time holy? There's a time for prayer. There's a time of Shabbos. There are time. we need to take these three things, these three components, and make them holy. We see in the beginning of last week's Torah portion that the Kohen Gadol, the person, enters the Holy of Holies, the place, on Yom Kippur, sanctifying all three. The person, the place, and the time so too we see that God commands the Jewish people, the person, the place is the land of Israel, and the time. There's a time, for example, it's all time, but also the time of the the sabbatical year or the observance of Shabbos. It's the time that we're trying to make holy. It's a very important thing that to the extent that we realize our mission as the kingdom of priests and a holy nation. It says that we should be a Goi Kadosh. We should be a holy nation of priests. Mamleches Kohanim ve Kadosh. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So the extent that we realize our mission will be the degree to which we retain the right to dwell in the land of Israel. We see that there's a big correlation in this week's parsha with observing the mitzvahs of the Torah and owning the land of Israel. That when the Jewish people, Parsha says this, rebelled against God, the land will expel you because the land, the place, needs to be holy as well. And we see what happened in the last 75 years. Tonight is Yom Ha'atzmaut. Today is Yom Ha'zikaron, the day of remembrance for our fallen heroes and for our active heroes. Those who are serving currently in the IDF, tomorrow is going to be the celebration of the establishment of the state of Israel, 75 years ago. And what has been the number one function in the state of Israel is the flourishing of Torah study. Wherever you go, Wherever you go to the land of Israel, in the land of Israel. You will find a study hall where yeshivas, there's students learning, young children, adults, married men, seniors sitting and learning Torah. That's what Hashem wants. Hashem says when that will happen in our land, that's when the land will flourish. That's when you'll be called startup nation. That's when you'll have all of the blessings of technology, of, of, of unbelievable abundance, of success. It will come. When you follow my ordinances, do you know that this Shemitah that was last year was the first time in probably 2,000 years, but 3,000 years since the Jewish people conquered the land, that the majority of the land of Israel kept the laws of Shemitah? Do you know what that is? The sabbatical year was observed by the majority of properties in the land of Israel. Where Hashem commands, Can you imagine the joy that brings the Almighty. That he says, look at my children. Look how amazing they are. They're ready to give up their crops of the seventh year. Why? Because I commanded them. What relationship does that pronounce between us and the Almighty? Shem says, ah, look at my children. They're so precious. I'm going to give them more success. I'm going to give them more bounty. I'm going to give them more happiness. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have challenges. That doesn't mean that we don't have terrorism to remind us that we're temporary, to remind us that we're not permanent dwellers. Hashem should bless us all with an amazing Shabbos and with an amazing ability to bring godliness into our lives every single day of our lives. Amen.